We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. don't care how sweet or good something looks if it causes you to have to compromise your values your standards or your relationship with god it is not worth it it never is and there are a lot of people sadly who could probably share their own testimonies of how they went scooping for something that looked wonderfully sweet only in the end to cause them much heartache. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. It's foolish to think we're strong enough to stroll straight into temptation and not stumble. We know what the Word says about a particular sin, yet somehow we think we're careful enough to enjoy the pleasure without triggering the consequences. That's what Samson tried to do, as we'll hear in today's message. Pastor Gary shares how we can learn from Samson that no pleasure is sweet enough to justify compromising our relationship with God. In the moment, it may seem perfect, but it's never, never, never worth it. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message titled, Forbidden Vineyards and Sweet Temptations. Sadly, what happened is that though this man was called by God, his conception even announced by God, he was a very troubled and complex, duplicitous man. He lived for the Lord, but he also lived for himself. And he had many different steps of compromise along the way that that's what ultimately brought him down. Listen, many of you might remember back in 2003, February 1st, 2003, the Columbia Space Shuttle disaster. Remember that? And what happened was when the space shuttle was returning to Earth and descending and crossing the atmosphere from outer space into Earth, that the space shuttle disintegrated. It just disintegrated. And what they came to realize later was that upon liftoff, when Columbia lifted off, January the 16th, 2003, that a small piece of foam insulation that was insulating the outer tanks, a small piece of foam insulation about the size of a small suitcase, broke free during liftoff and ended up causing about a six-inch gouge on the underside of the left wing of Columbia Space Shuttle. Now, 
Scientists at NASA knew this happened, but they didn't think it would be that significant. It turned out to be terribly, horribly significant. Because what happened is when Columbia started making the descent and they were crossing into Earth's atmosphere, that tiny six-inch gouge was enough to allow the hot atmospheric gases to penetrate and then it compromised the integrity of the internal wing structure and it ended up then a ripple effect and the entire space shuttle then disintegrated. A 230,000-pound aircraft... 122 feet long, 56 feet high, with a wingspan of 78 feet, completely disintegrated because of a six-inch gouge. It's never the big things that bring us down. It's the little things. It's the little things over a period of time. You allow one compromise after another compromise after another compromise, that's what brings you down. Learn from the life of Samson. May we all. Well, here's how his story unfolds here. Go to chapter 14. In Judges 14, we start to see his story here. And at this point, just make a note, he's about 20 years of age. Best we can tell here, Samson is about 20 years old at the beginning of chapter 14. And this is what it says. And you're going to see here a series of small compromises. Here we go. Verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. Note that. And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Notice that. He's got a little bit of a tude, all right? As in attitude, okay? In verse 3, his father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistine to get a wife? Look at his answer. But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. Get her. Notice the sense of entitlement here. He's like a six-year-old boy who wants an iPhone. <laughs> you know, I want an iPhone, I want an iPhone, I want an iPhone. You can't have an iPhone, you're six, all right? So this is how he's coming across. He's like, I want this Philistine woman, get her for me. Shouldn't you really choose someone from among the Jewish people? This is the one, get her for me. That's his answer, okay? He's got three problems, basically. He's got a sense of entitlement, lust, and anger. That's what you see through the story of Samson. Entitlement, lust, and anger. Here's the entitlement coming out. I want this Philistine woman, and I want you to get her for me. I'm entitled to her. First of all, Philistine woman? What are you thinking? This is the reason that his parents are asking the right question. Why do you want this particular woman? Isn't there somebody from your own people, the Jewish people? Because, listen, the Philistines are the perennial enemies of the Israelites. These are the very people for whom Samson has been raised up to defeat. He has no business wanting a Philistine woman. She's a part of a people who are pagan. They are worldly. They are against God. They worship other gods. They are evil. They are wicked. They are everything that Samson shouldn't be. And this is the kind of woman that he wants. Okay? Please note this. You singles, okay? You might go to school and work with some sizzling, smoking hot Philistine. <laughs> they are off limits. Okay? If you're a Christian, some sizzling, smoking hot Philistine is off limits for you. Got to get this. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor Gary, because if I date him, he's going to get saved. <laughs> My motto is flirt to convert. Stop that. Here's the new motto. Kick him to the wall before you fall, okay? Because he's a Philistine. 
And people get all tangled up with people who, they don't share your Christian values, they don't share your biblical worldview, they don't share your standards whatsoever, but he's smoking hot. So is hell, get over it. (laughs) He has no business wanting to be with her. You know the verse, right? 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, or what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Hey, make a difference in their lives. Just don't hook up with them, all right? Especially in a romantic relationship. But it's not just that. 2 Corinthians 6.14, I think, speaks to all kinds of bonds that you have. If you're in business, you're a Christian, you want to go in partnership, you want to have a partnership, a business relationship with someone who's not a believer. Listen, their worldview of things is going to be completely different from yours. It's incompatible. Don't do it. And in a romantic relationship... Don't do it because that person sees the world very differently. Standards are completely different. They don't share the same biblical worldview you do. And you will end up getting compromised. Say, no, 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 I'm stronger than that. Listen, if you send a German shepherd into a pack of wolves, I ask you, will the wolves become domesticated or will the German shepherd become wild? You're smart people. You can figure that out. And that's the principle behind that verse in 2 Corinthians 6.14. You're not supposed to get hooked up with people on some emotional level or in some kind of a business partnership where now you're hooked at the hip where you're going to have to do everything together and see everything and vote on everything. It's a mess. It makes for an incompatible mess. Samson has no business having a heart for this Philistine woman. He has no business wanting to marry one. But this is where it's going. Now, verse 4, the next verse, looks like a contradiction of everything I just said. Okay, here's what verse says. It's a parenthetical comment here. Verse 4. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. Okay, I can just hear now some third-year freshman college. Yeah, I can just hear him now. See, Pastor Garrett, look, dude, it's right here in the Bible. This is where missionary dating came from. God's behind this. Can't you see? He was the one who wanted Samson to fall in love with a Philistine girl. (laughs) When you read the rest of the story, what you end up finding out here is that he never marries her, okay? God is simply allowing this as a setup. And he's allowing it as a setup because he wants an inroad with the Philistine people. He's going to use Samson to make inroads here with the Philistines. And so God is going to bring this about, but Samson never consummates the marriage. There's this little festival, but they never consummate the marriage. They're never married. And in fact, the woman is given away to one of his best friends, one of his groomsmen at his wedding ceremony. And it makes Samson hot. And he goes off and kills 30 Philistines. He's got an anger problem. That's another day for another teaching. But for today, as you look at the different scenarios here of his compromise, he never actually marries this girl. This is a setup for the moment. So please understand that in general, throughout Scripture, God has called his people to be distinct. In the Old Testament, they were never to intermarry with pagan foreign people. In the New Testament, we are never to intermarry with people who don't share our same Christian values. They can be our friends. We can have wonderful platonic relationships with them. But you cannot form emotional bonds, business bonds. You're going to just ask yourself for trouble. You're asking for trouble. That's what the deal is here. So keep reading verse 5, verse 5 and 6. Look at the rest of the story here as we go on. Samson, verse 5, went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. And as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, notice that, the vineyards of Timnah, we'll come back to that, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. 
so that, notice, he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But, he noticed this, he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. So check it out. Here they are, Samson and his two parents. They're on the way to Timnah. They're passing by the vineyards of Timnah. And it says that a lion attacks him. And what does Samson do? It says that he rips the lion apart with his bare hands, just shreds this lion with his bare hands. And then the Bible adds, to help us, it would just have been as if he had ripped apart a young goat. Which helps me. Because whenever I've thought to myself, what would it be like to rip apart a lion with my bare hands? Probably like ripping apart a young goat. So that helps me. I have no idea why that's there in the Bible. I'm just telling you. That's what it says. Now, seriously, how is it, because it says here that he didn't tell his parents, you're on the road with your parents. A lion attacks you. You subdue it. You rip it apart with your bare hands. How did his parents not know this? How did his parents not know? I'll tell you how they didn't know. Because the best understanding of the text of the story is this. That as they're on the road to Timnah, mom and dad and son, Samson, Samson decides to veer off the road for a little bit. Where are they? The vineyards of Timnah. They're at the vineyards of Timnah. Here's probably the scene. The scene is, mom and dad, hey, you guys go ahead. I'll catch up because I'm just going to explore a little bit. But go on. Don't worry about me. Okay, son. And off they go. And down into the vineyards he goes where there he is probably encountering the lion. That's how they don't know because they're not immediately with him. The text indicates, it implies that he's veered off the road here. And so they're not in the immediate proximity to see all this going down. Well, that explains on how they wouldn't know. But what explains why it says here that he didn't tell his parents? Every guy here in this room knows that if you had the opportunity to subdue a lion and rip it apart with your bare hands, you'd tell everybody, <laughs> especially your parents. You're 20 years old, you're this young buck, and you had this opportunity. I mean, I know I would. I'd be like at the dinner table that night. Mom and dad would be like, what'd you do today? Funny you should ask. <laughs> I don't know why men do this when they want to brag. They start pulling on their waist. Funny you should ask. Let me tell you what I did today. I was attacked by a ferocious lion. I ripped that lion to shreds with my bare hands. And mom would be like, OMG, are you okay? <laughs> mom, don't you worry. It was like ripping apart a young goat. No big deal. No big deal, okay? Anybody who's a man would love to brag about killing a lion with his bare hands. Why didn't he do that? I'll tell you why he didn't do that. Because he was in the vineyards where he shouldn't have been. He's violating number one. Now, the Bible doesn't say that he actually ate of the grapes, okay? But the grape preponderance of the text tells us that that's where he likely is. He's strolling through the vineyards. You go killing a lion in the vineyards, you're not going to tell mom because they're going to say, what are you doing in the vineyards? You're not supposed to be around grapes, raisins, anything in the vine. Why were you even strolling in the vineyards? Listen to this. This is a picture here of slow compromise. He's strolling through forbidden vineyards. 
And I can just hear him now excusing it, because we all do this. We become masters at excusing our own flesh and our own compromises. I can just hear him. I was just strolling through the vineyards. I wasn't actually eating the grapes. I just love going to clubs. I don't actually get drunk. I like to hear the information. I don't actually gossip. I like to just search Google images. I don't actually go to porn sites. I know we're married, and we're both flirting with each other. We're married to different people, and we're both flirting at the office, but we're not actually having sex. You see how this goes? It's the same thing that happens in our own lives. If we're not careful, we just open up one little compromise after another, and we justify our own flesh as to why we've compromised these things. It's no big deal because I didn't actually this. I didn't actually that. Yeah, but you're strolling through forbidden vineyards. And all of us have to be aware of what our forbidden vineyards are because we all have some. You have some. I have some. They're all very similar. And we have to be very aware as it relates to our lives, our circumstances, where we work, where we go to school, who we hang out with. There are some forbidden vineyards. And if you want to be separate and dedicated unto God, God says don't stroll through those. Because the tendency will be then you're just going to help yourself. So don't even go near. The reason Samson didn't tell his parents about the line is because he was strolling through places he shouldn't have been. And it was a compromise in his life. Now look further here in the story, verse 7. It says, Then he went down and talked with a woman, and he liked her. So verse 8 says, Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, see, that helps us understand again the same story. They're on the same road a second time, and he veers off, and then he rejoins his parents on the road. He gave them some, some of the honey, and they too ate it. But, here we have it again, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. So, once again, they're on the same road. First time they go to meet the girl. Second time he wants to marry her. So, now it's a little bit later. And they're on the same road. And what does Samson do? Veers off the road. He's going to go back into the vineyards where he killed the lion because he wants to just look at the lion's carcass. Now, I get this. Guys get this, all right? If you kill an animal, you want to go back later. If you've just left the carcass there, you want to go back later. You want to see, are maggots in it? Are flies in it? Have the eyes sunken down now? You know, this is going to be awesome. Let's go take a look at this. I get that part, all right? But to his surprise, when he gets there and he sees the lion carcass, Ironically here, this is kind of strange, bees have made a hive inside the carcass, and there's honey. And so Samson sees this, and what does he do? The Bible says he reaches in, and he scoops out some of the honey, and he eats it, and he takes it to his parents, and they eat it too. And it says once again, but he didn't tell his parents. Didn't tell mom and dad where he got the honey. Why? Well, first of all, and this might be a wee bit too practical for some of you, but let me just kind of modernize this story a little bit. If you happen to be walking by a garbage can, and on top of the garbage can, not buried too deep, on top of the garbage are two glistening Krispy Kreme donuts, all right? (laughs) And you see them there, untouched, no bite out of them. Somebody just throwing them away, and you think to yourself, well, that's so good. And you go in after them. All right, and you eat one yourself, and you give another one to your parents or to your friends, you're not going to tell them where you got that from. 
You just pulled it out of the garbage. And that's similar. That's what's happening here. Listen, he's reaching through a rotten, decaying carcass to get some honey, and now his parents are eating. Where'd you get this from? Oh, some rotten, decaying carcass. No, you're not going to tell your parents that. That's gross. But there's a bigger reason here, obviously. The bigger reason is because of number three. You're not supposed to go near a dead body. That's not just human bodies. It's also animal carcasses. He's violating the third thing on the list of conditions to be a Nazarite. He's going back near this carcass. Now listen, he's not even near it. He actually thinks that he has the dexterity to reach in something that is corrupt, decaying, and defiling to go after that which is sweet and scoop it out and eat it. Learn the lesson here. I don't care how sweet or good something looks. If it causes you to have to compromise your values, your standards, or your relationship with God, it is not worth it. It never is. And there are a lot of people, sadly, who could probably share their own testimonies of how they went scooping for something that looked wonderfully sweet only in the end to cause them much heartache. It's never worth it. If it causes you to compromise in any way, it's off limits. I don't care how sweet it looks. I don't care how great the opportunity looks. If it causes us to have to compromise in some way, it's never worth it. And this is the life of Samson. One little compromise after another. I'm just strolling through the vineyards. I'm just going after the honey. I don't actually, I'm not trying to touch the dead carcass. Yeah, it's one compromise after another that ends up leading to an ultimate thing and he dies a very horrible, tragic death. Now listen, God called this man to a life of separation and dedication. And you know something? He calls us to the same thing. Not in a legalistic sense of we have to take Nazarite vows, but listen, just as believers in Christ, what does God call us to? He calls us to live lives of separation and dedication. Separation not in the sense of being isolated and exclusive and this kind of holier-than-thou exclusivity from the rest of the world as if we're better than and don't want to contact ourselves and defy. It's not that kind of thing. It's separateness in the sense of distinctness. That the people you work with and live with and go to school with and hang out with and your neighbors, that they'd all be able to look at our lives and say, there's something distinct about you that is different. That's the kind of separateness. That we just don't go along with the mindset of the world and the changing opinions of our culture and the values that our culture decides are right and wrong and the things that the culture says we should do or not do. We need to stand on the standard of God's word and be distinct people to be in the world but not of the world. This is the overall sense of the gospel. That once we get saved, we are to be devoted unto God, separate unto Him, for His purposes, living a life for His glory and for His honor, and not just doing as the rest of the world does, living lives of separation and dedication unto God. And David would write in Psalm 101, verses 2 to 4, that I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me, Lord? I will walk in my house, with blameless heart, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate, they will not cling to me. 
Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. No compromise along the way that we would live lives of separation and dedication unto God. Pastor Gary has been teaching through the book of Judges, sharing the incredible lengths God goes to in order to rescue his people and teach them about himself. Sometimes God needs to use extreme circumstances to get our attention and turn us back to the path he knows is best for us. We pray you've been encouraged as you listen today and that God is working in your heart even now. If you'd like to talk with someone about what following God means for you, or if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. This message today has been brought to you from Pastor Gary and Cornerstone Connection, a ministry of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. You're most welcome to come see us in person if you're in the area. We meet every Sunday and Wednesday as a group and we'd love to have you be part of our services. Head to cornerstoneconnection.cc to find out more about the church and find directions and service times. While you're at our website, be sure to check out our archive of previous messages and download our mobile app to take them with you on the go. Thanks for tuning in today, and be sure to join us again for another edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul got no place to go, but still you know.